Peaceful Parenting by Stefan Molyneux, freedomain.com. Introduction. If the world is hell, it is because of childhood. The unhappiness, misery, pain, and violence of the world have all been explained according to various theories, all designed to distract us from the central core and highly personal issue. Socialists tell us that the world is hell because of economic and environmental exploitation, without ever asking why people end up so cold-hearted that they can use and dispose of their fellow human beings via the chilly physics of grim economic utility. Theologians explain that the world is hell because we are born sinful and have to be beaten and terrorized into even a remote approximation of virtue. Educators explain that the world is hell because children are willful and disobedient and have to be threatened and bullied into pursuing knowledge and accepting conformity. Anti-racists explain that the world is hell because people mistrust and hate other ethnicities without ever asking why people end up xenophobic, hateful, and afraid. Feminists explain that the world is hell because men hate and fear women, and thus lust to bully and control them, without ever explaining why men might hate and fear women, especially when they are raised by women. Evolutionary biologists explain that the world is hell because mankind is an animal with an animal's lusts and passions and thirst for dominance. No one ever explains why science is possible for mankind, but not for any other species. But virtue is not. Every civil rights movement has striven to bring excluded groups into the moral center of society. Morals, both legal and social, that were set up to exclude various races, sexes, and classes have all been challenged and overthrown. The goal of the inclusion of all excluded groups into the core moral principles of society has been avidly pursued and often achieved, often to the betterment of all. Why has there never been a civil rights movement for the most abused, controlled, and exploited class in society? The children. All will be explained. What else? Well, skepticism of artificiality has been a central thrust of modern thought. Avoid plastics, chemicals, pesticides, and so on. Buy organic, live naturally, embrace the wisdom of your ancestors. Countless communities pursue these goals with avid abandon. We have terms for sexism, racism, homophobia, Islamophobia, xenophobia, fatphobia, classism. The list these days is virtually endless. Fear and hatred of the other, it is said, leads to hateful language, violence, terrorism, war even. For all our modern moral wisdoms, one word remains conspicuously absent from our endless patrolling of language, exclusion, and contempt. Where is the word childism? 
why do we not even have a word for prejudice against children? Ah, you may say, this is because society treasures its children, devotes endless energies to training and raising its children. Therefore, it would make no more sense to have a word called childism than it would have to have a word called loveism. We cannot be prejudiced against that which we love. Interesting. But is it true? It is certainly true that society claims to worship and love its children and does devote endless energies into training and raising them. What do we always hear? The children are our future, our heritage, our worlds, the purpose of our life and being the foundation of our civilization. You name it. The late singer Whitney Houston had a famous song, The Greatest Love of All, which started off thus. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. Sadly, Whitney was a victim of childhood sexual abuse who grew up to be a drug addict, enacting all the inevitable abuse and neglect on her own daughter, who, like her mother, also died in a bathtub with a large number of drugs in her system. Whitney sang about virtue, but lived a deeply broken and destructive life. But what is the general theory? Well, that children are loved by society, and therefore we would never need a word to describe society's prejudice against its own children. If you love chocolate, how can you be prejudiced against chocolate? If you love your wife, by definition you cannot hate and exclude her. What on earth are you talking about, Steph? Well, philosophy is all about skepticism. And the longer the claim has been going on, and the more widespread it is, the more philosophers are inclined to question it. The institution of slavery was universally accepted and practiced throughout the world for all of history, until moral philosophers and theologians eventually questioned it. The modern world is founded on skepticism of traditionally accepted wisdom. Science, technology, engineering, medicine, these are all founded on skepticism of formally accepted absolute truths. The battles against exclusion were all founded on skepticism of the accepted wisdom of excluding other races, sexes, classes, and groups. Reason demands that we judge others and ourselves by deeds, not words. If a man claims to passionately love a woman, then ghosts her after sex, would we accept his protestations of affection? No, surely we would judge his actions rather than his words. Good words often camouflage bad actions. Con artists charm us before robbing us. Seduce us, woo us before exploiting and abandoning us. Politicians promise us heaven, then deliver hell. People pretend to be injured to bring you close, then rob you blind. 
Scammers pretend to want to help you, then steal from you. And, <laughs> believe it or not, criminals generally claim to be innocent, even when guilty. Imagine a world where mere statements equaled objective truth. If you fail an exam, but you tell your teacher that you passed it, then she would have to adjust your mark. If you fail to pay your taxes, but then inform the government that you did, in fact, pay them, that would have to be accepted. If you were caught shoplifting, you could tell the store owner that you are not stealing, and he would have to let you go. You could claim to be a doctor, and no one could disagree with you. As a toddler, you could be caught with chocolate all over your face, but justifiably deny that you had ever touched any chocolate. If you were tired of making mortgage payments, you could simply phone the bank and tell them that you, in fact, owned the house free and clear, and all would be well. Society would crumble in about 48 hours if mere statements were always accepted as truth. Now, we have standards of evidence and empiricism and logical consistency and proof in order to separate liars exploiting morality from honest people pursuing virtue. What do we say if we are rational? This is your claim. What is the truth? This is the essence not of just philosophy, but society, rationality, functionality, and survival. Imagine a primitive hunter coming home empty-handed but claiming to have felled a giant deer. Would anyone eat? Imagine a man in the jungle being hunted by a tiger. Could he save himself by closing his eyes and repeating over and over, There is no tiger! There is no tiger! Of course not. These examples are almost too foolish to mention. We all understand that we only empower and embolden liars by refusing to look for reason and evidence. Society claims to love its children. Very well. Let us look for reason and evidence. Before we take this journey, though, I need to repeat my warning. This book will be horrible for you, but the alternative is far worse. Some medical treatments can be horrible, but they beat dying. It is horrible to look in the mirror and accept that you are fat, but it beats getting diabetes and heart disease. It can be horrible to be self-critical, but it beats the corruption and decay of avoiding rational self-correction. Learning is pain, but the alternative is usually far worse. This book will be painful to you, because it is not about abstract topics, windy philosophical ideals, or gentle exhortations to future virtue. This book is about your pain. This book is about your life. This book is about your childhood. This book is painful. But the alternative is infinitely worse. If society does, in fact, love its children, 
and raises them wisely, virtuously and well, then we are truly doomed because the current hell is the best we can ever expect. If you exercise and eat sensibly, but gain weight every week, something is seriously wrong with your body. If you eat too much and don't exercise, then you have a solution to your weight gain. Eat less and exercise. We must truly hope and pray that society does not love and treasure its children, otherwise little can ever be substantially improved. In other words, if you're already doing the best you can, you can never improve the outcome. If society treats its children wonderfully, then there is no path to improvement. The violence, discord, loneliness, lovelessness, exploitation, betrayal, all the evils that fester and grow in the human heart and our social world can never be cured. We have spent the past few hundred years attempting to become more inclusive and create harmony in society, but disharmony is only increasing. We have spent countless millennia trying to stop war, but war remains. We have spent an eternity combating immorality, but evil still grows. Either we are missing something essential, or we are truly doomed. I choose hope. However, choosing hope means accepting pain. So be it. We will ask and answer this question. Does society truly love its children? 